What is up, Rotogrunners? Welcome back to the Morning Grind. Once again, I am Dean. I'm still filling in for Stevie. Stevie is busy knocking out his NASCAR content. If you guys want his NASCAR content, of course, you know where to get it here at rotogrinders.com. That said, we're going to talk, uh, I was going to say another fringe sport, but I don't want to be insulting to a fringe sport. And besides that, this is a millionaire maker sport now. Uh, we're talking MMA. We're going to bring in, once again, Art of War, Sun Tzu Joe. Joe, you are giddy because we have a millionaire maker today, or I, I'm saying today, we're, of course, recording on a Wednesday afternoon. This weekend is a millionaire maker for UFC. And then there's another, uh, what, a slate Wednesday or Thursday, and then another one next weekend. All the UFC. You're excited. You're giddy. I am excited. I'm giddy. I, I have to ask, Dean, at what point is it going to be um, Stevie's in for Dean? Um, you know, like, I, I really I really wonder about that, because every time I've done this show, it's always, this is Dean in for Stevie. I think at some point you get ownership of this show, no? I mean, I would think. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play the role of Wally Pitt first. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I genuinely don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have an honest yeah. answer. I, I, I think no we idea. need to... <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to go there. But anyway, yeah, this is um, knock on wood, Dean. We got three title fights. Uh, Jorge Masvidal stepped up. Gilbert Burns, for those of you that don't know, that was the main event. He gets tested positive for COVID. Um, Jorge Masvidal, Cuban Jesus, stepped up and is actually um, now it's it saved the title fight. We have three title fights now. We have 13 fights. Knock on wood. You know, expect the unexpected. One of the reasons why I've reserved contests, but I haven't really built a lot of lineups yet. Um, so, you know, that is that is where we're currently at right now. Like, keep your fingers crossed as the fighters. I think most of the fighters now are already in the UAE, if not all of them. So um, now it's really coming down to weight cutting. We've got to see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, this is, uh, this is a solid card. Up top to bottom, three title fights. Uh, you know, Paige Van Zandt is back, which I think a lot of people will find appealing for different reasons. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, did you mention Romanoff being out as well? Yeah, you know, so obviously um, Romanoff, King Kong, someone who I was looking forward to fighting Marcin Tabura, Tabura um, is out. Uh, I, I don't know if he had an injury or visa issues, um, but he was out. I was looking forward to that fight. His MMA style is listed as sumo. <laughs> um, and he picks guys up and throws them down. Um, like that commercial for the gym. I pick things up, heavy things up, and throw heavy things down. Um, you know, so, yeah, I was looking forward to that fight for that reason. Um, interestingly enough, we, we do have a replacement opponent for that, a gentleman, Grisham, from, who was recently fought in PFL and is making his heavyweight debut, formerly a light heavyweight or a 205-er, not giving up a whole lot of height um, and reach to Tybora, who's not a huge heavyweight. Early betting lines, interestingly enough, have those even at minus 112 apiece on the DK Sportsbook. Um, unfortunately, we do not yet have a salary for uh, Grisham on DK for DFS purposes. That should be coming. Um, you know, Probably DK, AK. Is that a fair guess? Around uh, AK? You know, it's got – see, here's the interesting thing. It's, the, the guys are even, and uh, Tybora has 7.9 salary because he was a slight underdog going into this, or at least at the point in time when the salaries dropped, um, that was pretty close to even as well, that fight. So I'm not really sure what you do. Do you bring him in above um, Tybora? Um, you know, or, you know, because you're not going to change Tybora's salary. That's just typically not done. He's going to stay at 7.9K. Um, so I'm not sure what you do. I'm not really sure what you do here, which is why probably DK is taking a while to figure it out. And in all honesty, I don't have a ton of interest in this fight. Um, you know, I was hoping to find a reason to fade Tybora, um, you know, especially against Romanov, who's just a big, strong guy that likes to throw people down. Um, with that said, we have not had a lot of success with fighters coming over from, from PFL, the Professional Fighters League. Um, you know, you could call it inferior competition. You could call it <laughs> USADA, <laughs> um, you know, which I suspect was uh, one of the reasons why uh, – Felipe Linz in our last slate, um, you know, did not show up and got smoked by Boser, um, you know, in what was essentially an even money fight. Um, so I hate to say it, you know, I think Griffin is, is not Griffin. I think uh, Tybor is probably going to win this fight, but I don't love it for DK. I think it's probably a better fight to bet. Is this a wrong assumption? I, of course, I'm uh, not somebody that follows the UFC, MMA. I follow from a friend's perspective. I'm following it more since doing this podcast with you. But uh, 
my in my head, I feel like heavyweights are more likely to finish a fight via a knockout. Like it's not going to go the distance. So from a upside perspective, there's a, and also like you said, they're telling us it's a coin toss. We don't know who's going to win, which makes neither fighter, not, not, you know, not that particularly appealing. In, uh, in theory, that's true, Dean. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, what you have in Tybora um, is a guy who who kind of bucks that general theory. Um, you know, I'll give you some quick stats. I'll give you some quick stats, some um, DraftKings stats on on Tybora. You know, we can, we can look at him and we can see where is my where's DraftKings? Uh, he does not have one score over a hundred for what it's worth. It's kind of yeah, scrolling. yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Close to 100. And and that's the issue, right? He does not have one score over a hundred. Um, you know, so he's he's not been a high volume DraftKings scorer. Um, so we got to take that into consideration. And we really don't know what we have in, in the other fighter. Cause he's making his debut from PFL and he's fighting up a weight class. So we really don't know what to make of this. Um, one of the reasons why, and, and Dean, I don't know if you have the DK sports book open, if you could look at what the, um, the over under is on, on rounds, uh, for this fight, I'm guessing it's going to be favored to the over. Would be my guess. This is the Tabura fight you're talking about? Yeah, Tabura. Yeah, so the uh, problem is, yeah, we don't have that just yet because they, some of the books actually still have uh, Ramanov, but Fandle still has Ramanov like five days later after the fact that he's been canceled. So uh, eventually we'll get that, but that's, that's the only fight I don't have the distance numbers on. Yeah, that's true, right? Because, you know, we, we just saw that the lines are minus 112, minus 112. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, as it stands now, and, and this is subject to change, but as it stands now, I really don't like this fight for DraftKings. Um, you know, we, we've had a recent run of fights where there have been replacement fighters, um, you know, and we've gotten some pretty solid scores, um, you know, going one way or the other. Um, you know, in some cases, the replacement fighter got smoked. In other cases, they did the smoking. Um, I'd be really surprised um, if this was anything but, um, you know, kind of a, a slow-paced decision. I do think Tybora's got higher skills. Um, you know, he has lost to, you know, to fighters that were kind of run-of-the-mill, but I don't know that I'd really endorse Grisham making his debut at heavyweight as that big a prospect. He's 36 years old, which, you know, is, is old but not old for heavyweight. Um, and, and with an average point score of 58 for Marcin Tybura, I really don't have a lot of love for this fight on DK. All right. So we do two things. Basically, our starting point whenever we do these shows. First, like who is in, who is out, who's going to be scratched. And again, we're recording this, uh, you know, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, hopefully, there's not any more changes going forward. But we've seen that uh, pretty much every single time something goofy happens. And like you said, they're going to fight Island now, the UAE. And many things can happen from now until Saturday. And the second thing we do is we talk about the main event. How much do you need the main event? The main event's a five-round fight, and that's a great conversation. And now we have three main events. We have three fights that go five rounds. Uh, I mean, so people, I mean, I assume, again, I don't know. Uh, this is my first time ever dealing with this element. I mean, you, you pick one fighter from each of those three fights, and I guess, I guess that's sort of the chalky perspective, and then fill out the rest of your card with three other dudes or gals. Uh, you know, how do we do this? Yeah, so technically, um, it, there's one main event, three title fights, but all three fight, all three title fights are five rounds. Okay. So essentially, they are main events in the sense that the three title, a title fight is always five rounds. We're just blessed to have three title fights on this card. That is certainly a strategy that a lot of people are going to follow. Um, you know, is is to have because of the five rounds, is to have a fighter from each fight. Now, I would also argue that. You know, there is some stackability, particularly in cash, um, in at least one of these three title fights, um, you know, based on past history. Um, and let me tell you, we saw the cash stack in the last card, um, oh, yeah. or the main event stack, just, just perform like crazy. Um, you know, like uh, 194 points or something like that in the stack. And, and generally, I look for like 120 to 140 when I'm playing cash. So I'll be honest, like I, I really took a dive in GPPs, but cash really bad, bailed me out because I did stack. Um, and I, I don't stack every card, but I did stack in cash with Poirier and Hooker. I think they're at least one of these three title fights is very stackable. I think if I remember correctly, people saying on Twitter, the biggest losing score ever happened in that, that fight. Is that correct? Is that you remember that? The... Pretty close. Yeah, I think it yeah. was 994 by Dan Hooker. Yeah, and a loss. Um, 
you know, that was pretty amazing. And, you know, Poirier breaking 100. You know, actually, it might have been over 194 because Poirier, I think, broke over, broke 100 in a win. So this was a really, really opportunistic stack. And that's what you live for. And, and that stack was actually even good in GPPs. You know, having that stack, having two fighters averaging over 100 points is, you know, that's, as they say in Wall Street, the real cheesecake is uh, getting a fight, getting two fighters that score over 100 points in a, in a fight. Well, let's see how good I am at this as far as guessing. There's three fights. You got uh, Usman versus uh, Masvidal, uh, Jan versus Aldo, and uh, Holloway versus uh, Balkanovsky. Did I get that right? Yeah. All right. That one seems like the least appealing to me just from the stuff that I'm looking at. Uh, the, you have the, the closest odds. Balkanovsky's minus 230. Jan's minus 250. Usman's minus 265. And it's also the least likely to be finished within the distance. So, again, I know nothing. But just looking at those two things, now, I don't know about the striking ability, strikes per minute, yada, yada, yada. But that one seems like the least appealing amongst those three. How did I do? Well, you'd actually, you'd actually wrong. It's the most appealing. <laughs> um, uh, if you look at the last fight in a loss, Max Holloway, um, and, and they fought before, um, Max Holloway scored 67 points in a loss, um, landed 134 significant strikes in, in a five-round decision loss, right? So that's 67 by Max Holloway. Now let's look at Volkanovski. In his win, he scored 109 points. So that stack gave you 176 points. You will take that any day of the week. Um, and Max is just a high, such a high-velocity striker that you really almost don't miss the grappling points. Um, in that same fight, Volkanovski, who actually has some wrestling in his back pocket, he's used it before, um, uh, not, not a lot, but he has used it, landed 157 significant strikes. Max is okay being hit as long as he can hit back. So, I mean, when you look at the total significant strikes in that fight, 157 for Volkanovski, who, who won, I thought, a fairly decisive decision, you know, breaking 100 points. And then Max Holloway with 134, quick math tells me that that's 291 significant strikes. In a fight, and as we know, you get a half a point for each significant strike, and the winner gets 30 points if they win by decision. So this is going to be a pretty appealing fight to stack, um, particularly in cash. I could even see some people perhaps stacking it in GPPs. Um, if you were going to ask me number two, I would probably say Usman Masvidal, because I generally, I, you know, I do think that Usman is probably going to use his wrestling here. But Masvidal is a striker, and for the amount of time that this fight stays standing, there should be, you know, a decent amount of striking going on here. Um, you know, you can look at some of Masvidal's numbers. In his last fight against Diaz, which, you know, ended early, um, he landed 112 significant strikes, um, which is pretty good for, for the essential, essentially two rounds. Um, I don't believe that fight started the third round. Um, so Masvidal has the ability to land a lot of significant strikes. Um, Usman, you know, can throw his wrestling in. Um, you know, he can actually score pretty well. Um, he scored 148 points in his last win against Colby Covington. Um, and, but that included two knockdowns, but he landed 175 significant strikes. Um, if you tell me that you like this for a stack, I'll say, okay. The only issue is we got... Masvidal taking this fight on short notice. Does yeah. he have five rounds of cardio? Um, you know, uh, you know, that's the question. I don't think this would be a bad stack, honestly, but I just like the Max Volkanovsky snap stack better because that has actually got a proven track record and they fought once before. And in all honesty, I don't really see the fight deviating materially from, from how it went, barring any issues with weight cuts. You're, uh, you're making 150 lineups. Uh, how much do you prioritize the main events here, these five-round fights? I, I keep saying main events, championship fights. Uh, oh. <laughs> how, how, how much do you prioritize them? Uh, how much do you prioritize stacking when you're building? Uh, do you think – what's the probability of a stack being in the optimal, like, nut lineup? Like, all these questions I have for you regarding these three fights. Yeah, so starting with the first question – I probably, and, and look, you want to be somewhat contrarian when you're going for a million dollars. I honestly thought that it was a miracle that any lineup that had Amanda Nunez in it, because she was such a big favorite um, for the last Millie Maker, was going to be split up a million ways, and it was only split up three. 
because there was a perfect storm. You know, so we had three people each each take home three hundred ninety one thousand dollars with the biggest favorite on the card winning. Yeah, I, w- I did not expect that. So what I expect here is I will probably have one hundred and thirty lineups, maybe more that have at least one fighter from each five round fight in it. And the only reason why I would deviate from from ha- not having them in all my lineups is just to be contrarian. Um you know, that's the way I would look at it. I will play a couple of lineups with stacks just because of what happened last week. And again, to be somewhat contrarian, people generally do not stack in GPPs. But again, you know, this is not a great ROI contest. We're talking about the Million Maker here, right? Yeah. Um, it's very top heavy. They even reduced the aggregate by 250,000. So it's even more top heavy now in the sense that, you know, in the past, past Millie Maker was two and a half million with, uh, I believe it was two and a half million with um, a million going the first. This is 2.25 million with a million going the first. Yeah. So this is not a, a, a mass entry ROI type of fight. You're really playing and you're really risking money, you know, to get a, a top prize, right? This is not a great contest to play for a casual unless you're looking at it like a lottery ticket and you're throwing in a lineup or two and you're being highly contrarian. If you're trying to attack this like you would attack any other MME from a professional basis or from a high-velocity MME player, right, it's really hard in terms of thinking that you're going to get good ROI out of this card. You are playing this to win life-changing money. So you've got to be contrarian. I mean, I'm even going to have some lineups with the biggest underdog on the card in it, you know, Paige Van Zandt, you know, who's who's a plus 600 underdog. You know, just because you need to have some contrarian lineups, um, you know, in your 150 in order to have a chance at winning um, that that million dollars. Yeah, we'll talk about her soon enough. But like to me on paper, she looks uh, like a terrible play. But of course, you're talking tournaments, you're talking shooting for upside, you're talking, you know, doing goofy things just for the sake of doing goofy things, because the reward is all at the top and it rewards goofiness sometimes. Uh, if you were to set an over-under, well, what's the over-under as far as number of people splitting this prize? Wow. Um, knowing that we have 13 fights is good. Assuming we have 13 fights. Okay, so last week um, in the main event, we in the $150,000 contest, I think we had 100 people split that. Now, that was a very formful lineup that yeah. hit. There wasn't a lot of – super lot of surprises given the fact that we had so few fights. Um, you know, there was one surprise maybe in that lineup, but enough people spread to have it. Look, would I be surprised if 100 or north of 100 people carve this million up? No. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to just for argument's sake, put the over under at 100 and probably lean towards the over. And I know that's not encouraging for people who look to play this, but still, you know, even if you're splitting it up 100 ways, it's going to be better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. Um you know, because it still is a million dollars to first plus. Remember, you get all those prizes down to 100 that go into the pool to get divvied up as well. So whatever the payouts are from one to 100, you know, that all goes into an aggregate pool and gets split up 100 ways, right? So it's not going to be horrific. Um, but, you know, look, it's not going to be life-changing money either. If you finish second behind that, they're like 101, <laughs> well, yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's the real slap <laughs> in the face, right? Yeah. Because you finish second, and you nor- you normally, if you finish second with <laughs> one party in front of you, you're getting what, a hundred thousand or a hundred and fifty thousand? You know, yeah. here you might get a hundred bucks. I mean, you know, just because of how many people are on top of you, right? And and that's you know, like we've seen it in the past. I think Dean in a couple of con, a couple of sports, baseball. Like we had one guy. Um, and he, he, he actually put lineups in as a placeholder and forgot to change them. So he had a hundred lineups. <laughs> he had a hundred, hundred with the same lineup. So that's what we call running a train. And, you know, yeah. obviously other players hate that, but this guy did it. It was a complete mistake. Like he just put all these lineups in as a placeholder, just kind of forgot about it. And of course that lineup hit and he had that, he had the winning lineup a hundred times. So all that money went to him. Oh, it's the best when you accidentally do that. And like, you know, it's the, it's best versus worst, depending on to sort of play the results. Right. We've all been there where we right. just kind of like, or sometimes you're sort of scrambling and you have two minutes or you're changing, you're adjusting the you know, news that just broke. And it's just like, I guess I'll put every lineup and just hope that this, <laughs> this kind of works out. Yeah. Uh, good times for sure. 
Uh, Masvidal, he's super cheap. We look at all the salary cap. He's 7.3K. And look, six of his last eight fights, he scored over 100 points. We talked about uh, how he hasn't been training, at least, you know, was not ready. He's taking this at late notice. Uh, but, you know, but six of his last eight fights over 100 points. We talked about pre-show. This is the guy who knocked out that dude in like in three seconds. Uh, he's, he, there's plenty of upside when he wins. Of course, he's the underdog here. and He's facing a top opponent, but he also has the possible extension of five potential rounds. Uh, Masvidal, it's got to bring in Aldo as well, too, because they're basically kind of sort of the same price. And I have questions about Aldo. And it's, it's again, as a fringe MMA guy, I was looking at Aldo. I'm like, Aldo, this is the guy that I bet on uh, against McGregor. Because all the smart guys are telling me that like, McGregor is going to lose to Aldo. And he's like, just not as fun to bet on whatever it is. People like, you know, McGregor hype and all that. But uh, he's been getting pummeled of late. He's the second cheapest guy on the slate. Uh, and I asked on Twitter and people were like, yeah, this just kind of passed him by. Uh, he's had some bad luck. He's old. He's 33. I don't know how old 33 is, but I guess he's been around for a long time. Uh, and also, like, how is he getting a championship fight? Is this just like MMA politics? Because I'm looking yeah. at his record. Like, why is he in the title fight? How does this happen? Yeah, so you've heard of dog, dog years, right? These There's MMA years. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of mileage on this 33-year-old Aldo. Now, in his defense, he may have actually won his last fight against Marias. It was really close. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he's not a high he, – he's not a great DraftKings play typically because he's not a high-volume striker, right, generally. I mean, if you look at his – he you know, 58 significant strikes was – you know, the most that he landed since Crocs were cool. Um, you know, tw- 29 against Volkanovski, 29 against Moicano, 29 in a win by knockout against um, Jeremy Stevens. But, you know, he just hasn't been. You got to go back to two se- 2017, you know, 87 significant strikes in a loss against Max Holloway at featherweight. Um, so the other cardinal rule that Aldo is breaking here is – this is, he actually dropped a weight class. Typically, as you age, you know, one of the cardinal rules of MMA is you don't go down in weight, you go up. And when you're at 145 and you're dropping to 135, um, he looked really good against Marias despite having a really difficult weight cut. And the one thing I want to point out, if it's not obvious to, to people who, you know, who do follow MMA, um, is for a championship fight, you do not get a one-pound buffer. You have to come in at the championship weight, which in this case is 135. So normally, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, we were talking about this off the air, Dean, and I'm not giving away any secrets and saying you and I could probably lose a pound by missing a snack. When you got <laughs> when you have no when you have no body fat and you had a weight cut, um, you know, and you previously cut to fight at 145, and now you're cutting to fight at 135, and you 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 know his last fight he got that buffer that would allow him to go to 136, that extra pound really can mean a lot. I mean, you know, you start thinking about shaving your hair off, you know, like to try to get some of that back. Um, you know, so I, I really want to see if he makes weight. I'm not ruling him out. I mean, he has a shot here. Um, you know, Yan, I could just see Yan over the course of five rounds, Peter Yan, um, wearing him out. I do, by default, have a straight bet on Peter Yan, his opponent. Um, I initially got a sweet little profit boost from DK in their sports book of 25%. So I parlayed Peter Jan, Peter Jan with Usman um, to get that 25% profit boost to the max allowed. And then when the opponent got changed, that bet became a single yeah. on Peter Jan. So I got Peter Jan at minus 182. So I'm keeping the bet because his actual odds are much higher than that right now. So I went from a parlay to a straight bet. I, I would not rule Aldo out. I mean, you know, Peter Jan is not perfect. He's been very good. He's had some moments against Jimmy Rivera where you thought, okay, maybe a, a more technical striker could cause him some problems. The issue with Aldo is he was known as a fighter who had a great leg kick game. And for whatever reason, you know, I was thinking that maybe we should all pitch in and send him leg kicking for dummies. He actually stopped using leg kicks. And no one really knows why. And I think that would be a, like a really clear option for him in this fight. And we keep saying, well, if Aldo would only use leg kicks, if Aldo would only use leg kicks, I don't know if it's a function of him not being able to lift his leg up anymore. But, you know, that is always, you know, that's been an issue his last couple fights. I think in a pure striking exchange, 
I think the sheer volume over five rounds, not that Jan is a super aggressive, high-velocity striker in, in the mold of Max Holloway, but I do think that over five rounds, you know, Jan is actually going to wear him down, maybe get a late finish, certainly win a decision, but I could see Aldo, um, you know, stealing a round or two. Yeah, I mean, poking around Twitter, some of the responses I got kind of speak to what you're talking about. First of all, apparently, according to uh, Nixon, somebody I respect, he was telling me his walk-around weight is 170, uh, and he had a really hard time getting down to 145, and now he's jumping down to 135, and that just seems uh, really tricky. Like you said, it's even trickier as you get older. Yeah, I heard he was eating like five pounds of salad, like lettuce with no dressing, something really, <laughs> you know, you know, something that you would feed to rabbits. I mean, he was eating that, and just looked like the, this was the last week, just looked miserable. I mean, he just looked sunken in and gaunt. And, you know, I don't know how he's going to look this fight. I don't know if he, if he hired a nutritionist or, you know, I'm really curious to see how he looks at weigh-ins. But I do think that he will likely have cardio to come out strong. And then again, if Peter Jan was a, a higher volume striker, I would like him definitely by finish. But, you know, if you look at his last few fights – um, you know, 54, 56, 80, 76, you know, decent totals of significant strikes, but he's not like a Max Holloway type of striker that just, you know, you know, lands seven strikes a minute or a Justin Gaethje type of striker. You know, he, he's much more calculating in how he throws his punches. So that's my only concern here is that Aldo maybe steals a few rounds and that Jan has to kind of rally late. But I do think that, you know, he will wear him down. All right. Of what it's worth, Aldo uh, versus Jan, that fight, minus 177 to not go the distance. Uh, Masvidal versus Uzman, minus 167 to not go the distance uh, as far as those uh, five-round fights. Give me this before you move on for those, uh, you know, those three fights. Your favorite favorite amongst those three and your favorite dog amongst those three when you factor everything in, uh, you know, as far as upside, as far as price and all that. Wow. Um, this is tough because – if you asked me in the beginning of the week, I would have told you my favorite dog, and I still think he's probably going to get a lot of play, was Max Holloway. But after I thought about it, you know, I don't – I'm not confident that – usually when you lose a fight against an opponent uh, and you're, you're rematching against an opponent you've already fought, it's on you to actually make adjustments. Um, and one of the big weapons that Volkanovski had was leg kicks that Max didn't check, and it, it sort of threw him off. Max did not look awful in that fight, but, you know, is Max going to make an adjustment where he checks leg kicks, right? And, and I just don't have a high level of confidence, especially based on, you know, how, what I've been hearing about his training. You know, Max is one of those Hawaii fighters. Um, you know, I, I have heard kind of mixed reports on what actual level of training he's gotten. Um, and I just don't know if he's make, made the adjustments that he would need to make for this to be a more competitive fight. Now, you know, Volkanovski already has a path to victory. He knows what he needs to do. Um, so I would have said Max. Um, you know, now, uh, again, I can certainly see Masvidal. Um, he's got a limited window, and maybe he could catch Usman with something. You know, um, but I, I guess, as much as I hate to say it, I think Aldo, even though I have a bet on Jan, I think Aldo might have the best chance um, at an upset here, you know, especially if he comes out hot and heavy. Um, maybe he steals a round or two because um, Jan's pace isn't what it should be. If Aldo has the cardio to go five rounds, I, I, don't, I wouldn't see it outside of the realm of possibility that he wins three rounds, um, which is why I really would love Jan to pick it up and, and go for a finish. So it's not a ringing endorsement, but if you ask me, pick a dog among the three. And again, this is not for DraftKings. This is just picking a dog. Because obviously yeah. I want Max for DraftKings. Um, it would have to be Aldo, I suppose. And obviously you're going to have different combinations and shares of all these guys. Uh, you have to. I mean, you know, again, you've got 26 fighters. Um, my strategy, and again, not everybody follows this. Um, my strategy is to have some exposure to every fighter, even Paige Van Zandt, um, who's the biggest underdog on the card. Um, just because you want to differentiate yourself in a very top-heavy GPP. So that's a good segue because we talked about the main event, we, uh, all, the three uh, fights out of five rounds. The most expensive fighter on the card, on the DK card, 9.5K, is Amanda Rivas. Uh, massive favorite, more than anybody else by a good margin, minus 835 against the aforementioned Paige Van Zandt, who's plus 525. 
Uh, also, I know the general reputation as far as women's fights is my understanding is that they tend to go the distance. Uh, minus 125 to not go the distance. So Rivas, massive favorite. This fight is favored, uh, more likely to be finished within the distance. Uh, talk to me about Rivas versus Van Zandt because you're talking about even Van Zandt being a, a potential live dog if for no other reason just to be different. Yeah, I mean, look, no one expects uh, that Paige Van Zandt has got a legitimate chance to win this fight. And if you look at Rebus's lines, you know, Marcos is a good fighter. Um, now, again, that was at 115. This is at 125. So this is kind of fighting a weight class up. Um, Mackenzie Dern, who is the, the darling of the UFC, but really doesn't have much more right now than a jiu-jitsu game. Um, you know, Rebus won a decision against Mackenzie Dern. And Emily Whitmire, you know, these are all like decent fighters, you know, including Emily Whitmire that Amanda Rebus has gotten victories against. Now, um, you know, Whitmire was a sub, but she won against, she won by decision against Dern and won by decision against Marcos. Scored 95 points against Marcos and 77 points against Dern. Now, if this goes to decision and it is a three round fight, you know, unless you know, there's some knockdowns involved um, or some, some, some ground point scoring. You know, 95, I don't know, is going to cut it um, when you've got three five-round title fights. Um, you know, 9,500, I, I don't know what her ownership is going to be. I'm really bad at predicting ownership. But I, would, I think her ownership actually might be lower than at least the three favorites in the title fights and maybe even one or two of the underdogs. Um, in the title fight simply because of the fact that it's it's a weight class up. Paige Van Zant, whatever you want to say about her, she's generally pretty tough. I mean, she's fought with, with broken body parts. Um, you literally had to choke her out. Like, she would not tap. So she is kind of tough, but she is also able to be bullied. Um, I would expect that, you know, a ref would probably stop a fight against her, you know, with her before actually her tapping out or saying no mas. Um, I don't know that Paige Van Zandt is better than Emily Whitmire, who was subbed in a 100-point performance by Amanda Rebos. So we all think Amanda Rebos is going to win, but it is women's MMA. Um, you know, Paige Van Zandt has had a layoff. Rebos is, you know, this is, a, this is a fight in Abu Dhabi. I will say it was kind of interesting that when Paige was asked, she didn't realize that she was fighting at 6 a.m. local time, right? So... Um, I don't know if you want to make a blonde joke, but like she did not realize that she was actually going to be fighting at 6 a.m. That's know, weird because is- I, uh, I, I I was watching a video right before we, we went we went on air, and I was I went on just I went on YouTube and I'm like uh, UFC 251 preview and I just randomly found something I don't remember which show it was and she was like doing a uh, she was having a conversation with somebody live whatever and if they had technical issues doesn't matter but uh, they, they were asking her about uh, fighting at 2 a.m. So I don't know if that's if her time has changed or they were asking her the wrong question. And I was curious. I'm like, I don't really know how you can gauge. They were asking her if she's a morning person or not. Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't know what that matters at 2 a.m. Like, how does that factor in? Um, and yeah, she, I, honestly, I, thought, I think it's I, – I have to look. I mean, but what I, yeah. the way I heard the story, it was 6 a.m. Yeah. And that she was going to fight at 6 a.m. And she is the first fight on the main card. The fact that she's on a main card is pretty unusual. I mean, um, her this is her last – fight under her UFC contract. So the UFC actually has to decide to either sign her or let her go. And she honestly gets paid more than someone of her skill set would typically get paid for reasons other than her ability to fight. I'll leave it at that. Um, You know, that's why she gets paid more. Um, You know, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here because we all expect her to get smoked. And if she gets smoked, UFC maybe doesn't resign her. Maybe she goes uh, to a Bellator or, you know, Ryzen. I don't know if she would want to go to Invicta. Um, you know, that might she might consider that beneath her. But, you know, that's what Paige is fighting for, right? She's kind of fighting not only to stay in the UFC, but also to stay in the UFC and get a reasonable contract, um, you know, however many fights they decide to give her. So... I find it interesting. It is, you know, Rebos's first fight at 125. Um, Paige won her last fight, but, you know, did not look good in the beginning, kind of had to come back and ended up winning. Um, so it's an interesting fight. I fully expect Rebos will win, but am I going to lay minus 850? Um, no. Um, you know, 
I don't like the plus 600 on page either, but on DraftKings, you know, when you're looking to differentiate yourself and you're looking to diversify and you're, you are maxing out, um, you know, mass entry, 150 lineups, um, you do need to have some differentiation and that's what Paige Van Zandt is. All right. We, we've talked about four fights. There's still nine we haven't talked about. We kind of mentioned the one uh, with uh, Tabura as well too, but uh, help me out. We got to cross them out here. Is there any that just like most likely you just have, you have little interest on both sides and you don't expect a lot of action. It's just going to be sort of like a, I don't know, a bathroom break, whatever you want to call it. Uh, something where there's not a lot of action. We can more or less, I mean, again, I know you get shares of everything. You're making 150 right. lives, but uh, a fight that may look uh, unappealing to you on paper. So I already talked about um, Tybora Grisham. I don't really love that fight all that much. Oh, and by the way, Grisham, DraftKings just released Grisham's salary at 8.1K. So he's actually the de facto favorite as, as, dra- as far as DraftKings is concerned. So there's a small amount of line value on Tybora, and we'll actually see where that line goes. But he's in at 8.1K. Tybora is 7.9K. I don't think that's a great fight for, um, you know, for DraftKings. Um, you know, Martin Day, Davy Grant, um, you know, Martin Gray is coming off of a layoff. Um, he's had some injuries. He's had his last three fights postponed two by, uh, by his, by an injury to himself, one by COVID, um, his one and only fight in the UFC. He did land a hundred significant strikes, um, in a loss, um, and had a knockdown and a takedown and scored 65 points, which at three at 7.3 K, which is where he was last time is not bad, but now he comes into this as the favorite at 8.5 K um, fighting a guy that's got a bit more, well, that has a lot more UFC experience. He's been in the UFC for a while. Um, does have a wrestle heavy attack. Um, you know, the question here is, you know, can Martin day keep the fight standing? And if he does, I could certainly see it being, you know, a decision, a relatively low scoring decision. If Dan, cause he, you know, Day does have some good takedown defense, although it's a small sample size. Um, if we get uh, Danny Henry implementing his wrestling game, you know, he can score pretty well and he, at 7.6K. Um, I just happen to like Day in this fight to keep it standing. Again, I'm not crossing any fights off, but if you want to look at a potentially low-scoring fight, um, I might circle this one um, with the caveat that if the dog wins – he could potentially score well, but if you like the favorite, it's probably not going to be a high-scoring fight. Um, so that's one I would kind of look at. Uh, let me see. Um, Going the other way on that, we can say, uh, at least according to the book, the fight that's most likely not to go the distance, minus 225 to not go the distance, uh, is Volkan Odemir. He's, he's the minus, minus 177 favorite. Uh, he's 8.4K on DK. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, see, it's interesting. Um, I really love um, Ozdemir in this spot. Um, you know, he won by decision. Again, it was a very low score for DraftKings, but he fought a very highly thought of prospect in 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 Reykjavik, um, you know, and he won that fight. Prior to that, he put up a massive number against Ilir Latifi um, by KOing him. He put up 122 points. Prior to that, he fought the guy that many thought beat John Jones, Dominic Reyes. And I honestly believe he won that fight, that he got the short end of the decision at 6.9K. So fading this fight really depends on how you feel about his opponent in this fight. Now, I don't think his opponent comes close to having the class that Ozdemir does. Um, so I would actually be playing the under here. Um, you know, I, I don't think this fight's going to go the distance, which is why I'm not so apt to cross it off. I really do think there's a disparity in opponents, a disparity in skills. Ozdemir has fought the best of the best and has arguably beat, um, you know, two of the top five light heavyweights. Um, you know, definitely beat one, arguably beat the second. And, you know, the one that he lost to by, I think it was a split, um, actually beat you know, many people thought one against John Jones. So, you know, I think Ozdemir has got a distinct advantage in skills. Um, he's not a very flashy fighter, which is maybe why some people are are looking at him like, ah. Um, but I really don't think this guy, Jiri, uh, this Czech fighter, hasn't really fought super great competition. Um, 
you know, I really do like Ozdemir in this spot, which is the only reason why in looking at his average points per fight, looking at how he scores would be a reason why you would consider fading it. I really do think Ozdemir gets a finish here. Yeah, that's what Vegas is saying as well. About his 225, the knock of the distance. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, we got Carol Rosa versus Vanessa Mello, which is minus 305 to go the distance. Uh, one, of the, one of the women's fights that, I mean, I'm going to guess that aren't necessarily popping. Uh, you tell me. You're uh, absolutely right. I should have I should have led with that, Dean. That is the fight I should have led with. So you got two kind of middle of the road, lower middle of the road, um, you know, female fighters. Uh <laughs> I, I don't know why Mello lost to vaunted prospect Tracy Cortez in her last fight. It was a decision. Prior to that, she lost to Elrina Aldana, who is really good, um, a really good 135-er who is, is probably going to be fighting, um, you know, Nunez next um, because just there's no real opponents for Nunez. Um, so Aldana is really good. There was no shame in those two losses. They were by decision. But she is a 10-7 and seven fighter coming off two losses, um, who's averaged 27 points in her two losses in the UFC. And now you got Carol Rosa, right, who's pretty expensive on DraftKings at 9.2K. Um, and, and here's the real stat line. And this goes back to our, our, um, our main arguments with how significant strikes are scored um, from fight to fight. And it used to be called fight metrics, and now I believe it's UFC stats. Carol Rosa, in her last fight, was credited, and this was a three-round fight with 171 significant strikes. I don't believe it. I don't believe that there were 171 significant strikes, but that's what she was credited with. Is there somebody with like a clicker or something that just like how does that work? Yeah, you know? apparently, yeah. Because again, we we really like you know some of us are conspiracy theorists, and you know we swear that some of these guys actually play DraftKings the way that they've scored some of these fights. <laughs> God. So apparently, the way it's done is they are in um, a room watching these fights in slow mo. And that's how they kind of like, like grade these fights and calculate, you know, what is a significant strike. But in all honesty, I guess there are, you know, there was some level of subjectivity to it, but I don't think that Mello would have been able to walk if she actually got hit by 171 significant strikes. Mm -hmm. um, so Carol Rose is a 12 and three fighter, probably has a higher upside, is coming off of a really good score of 126 points. But that score is predicated on her getting credit for a lot of significant strikes. Now, I don't know that you could count on that being repeated. So this is really a wild card. I mean, you know, there are a fair number of people on Rosa. However, because of her price point, 9.2K, and because, you know, let's be honest, you know, Mello has fought better competition, albeit in, in losses. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I can endorse Rosa to win by a, a country mile. Um, she's probably a worthwhile favorite. She is the better prospect, but this could just be an ugly decision here. Um, you know, based on Mello's competition, um, based on the fact that I really didn't think much of Rose's last opponent in her win. Um, so this is going to be really kind of an interesting fight. Both of these women train at decent camps, um, in Brazil. Um, you know, so I'm really curious to see, you know, how, how this comes off. I mean, it could be one of those like sneaky fights to play where if, you know, look, if Rosa or Mel or Mello even, you know, com comes back to, you know, like what Ro Rosa scored 126 points, obviously if she repeats that, you'll sign up for that every day. I don't know if Mello is one that's going to, you know, take that many hits. Um, and if Mello wins at her price point, you know, yeah, she's got the potential to hit optimal. So this is an interesting fight, but purely based on, on, you know, odds to go the distance, I could see this being a fight that a lot of people are going to fade. Yeah. I mean, again, I know nothing here, but my thought process is uh, Mel is basically the same price as Aldo Holloway and Masvidal. Why would I not take a shot in the upside of those guys in the three and the five round fights? And they've shown upside in the past uh, instead of, you know, Mello, who, who knows? Uh, and, you know, yeah, you, the only not... reason, yeah, you're right. The only reason you would do that is, you know, again, differentiation. Ownership. Yeah, ownership. And the other thing is we know a lot more or we've seen a lot greater body of work um, of all the fighters in the three title fights. Like, you know, there is a real element of doubt as to how this fight's going to go, right? I mean, you know, we've got one fighter with one fight in the UFC and one fighter with two fights in the UFC. So, it's that element of just the unknown. Like, like how is this fight going to play out? 
you know, again, I'm, I'm saying, and maybe I'm doing them a disservice. I'm saying they're kind of middle of the rotors towards lower middle of the rotors, you know, in the weight class. And whenever you have that, the variance is incredibly high. Um, you know, so one of these women can go off and, and just score a ton because we, you know, some do something we don't expect because we just don't have the body of work, um, you know, to gauge it. So that's a reason why you play this fight. If one of these women, we've seen it before, if one of these women go off, um, you know, is they're going to be lower owned <laughs> based on, you know, price points, based on wanting to get exposure to five round fights, it could make a real solid contrarian play. All right, I'm going to fix the, you know, the significant strike thing. You're ready? Here you go. I don't know what they do. Maybe they even do this. I have no idea. And significant, like you said, subjective word. Uh, three different people, three independent people, three different rooms with their own personal clicker. Take the average of those three. There you go. Done. Solved? Uh, I like it. I like it. It's too, it's too simple, Dean. You know, it's too simple. And that's the problem. You know, like that's the problem. Like uh, we, we could never get clarity from, you know, as to how it was actually done. Like we got some clarity, but I really would like there to be more transparency, you know, um, and, and maybe you even, you know, you hire you know, you have one referee, you have one former fighter, and you have one like MMA journalist, and sure. like use them as the three and kind of, or, or at least do some back testing, like have people rewatch fights that were already graded and see what they would have come up with. You yeah, know, I know just, we, we, yeah, we've talked in the past about that. I apologize for cutting off. Yeah, no we, problem. We talked in the past about the, the, rep, the, the officials, the judges, and like, it depends upon what state they're in. And it's just like, well, what, what judges are we expecting here uh, at, at Fight Island? Are that's a really, it's a good question because usually um, the judges are hired by the authority that is, is supervising the fights. I would expect we're going to see a lot of international judges here. I'm, I'm pretty certain there's not a, a cadre of MMA judges or even boxing judges in Abu Dhabi. So my guess would be they're just going to contract out and bring in guys from, from Europe uh, you know, and probably um, America as well. So you're going to see a lot of guys that you've seen before um, in fights like Mark Goodard and, you know, those guys and guys who are coming from the UK, guys who are coming from the US. I mean, I'm hoping judging does not play a factor here. Um, probably, but, you know, j j just going back to your, your, you know, it's significant strikes and, and how they're graded have such a huge outcome on, on you know, on whether you're going to win or lose on DraftKings. You know, because and, and essentially what happens and you want to talk a sweat, a lot of times the third round significant strikes are not scored right after the fight ends. So you're kind of sitting there and sometimes they're even backlogged and you don't see the final score on that fight until after the next fight starts. And that's an argument we made as well. Like like if we want to use wagering to hedge um, draft yeah. to, to hedge yeah. DFS, we can't do it. Because we might not know whether we have a winner or a loser on fights that are really close if you're waiting to the start of the next fight to actually finally grade it. Now, I will, I will give them some props for saying they've gotten better and faster at like, finally grading, grading fights and grading that third round. Um, you know, so they have gotten better, but that's really harsh when you, when you actually get closed out of hedging and it really makes for sweats, like real sweats. I'm sure. Yeah. And like you said, the difference between like a half a point, if you're, you know, and for the money maker, that, that could determine who's a part of this, this a block of a hundred or if right. like one's like just solo ticket somehow passes them by. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest. I would rather be the guy who is waiting for the significant strikes to be scored <laughs> to move up than the guy in first place who is waiting for the significant strikes to be scored because he's afraid he's going to move down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would, I would rather be the guy in second place because, yeah, it's a sweat, but you're in second place and you're like, okay, get me first, get me first. But the guy who's been, been you know, sweating the entire fight out um, is now kind of in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where he's rooting for a certain number of significant strikes not to be credited. I've seen a lot of chatter about cage size, and I think the cage in, uh, in Vegas was smaller yes. than they're typically used to. Do we know what the cage is going to be? Uh, it's going to be a regulation size cage, I believe 35 feet. Does so that like, change things? Well, I mean, I don't think, I mean, that is the standard UFC cage. So, I mean, would the smaller of Kate, would the smaller cage have benefited certain fighters? Absolutely. And we saw a lot of finishes, right. And there's less room to maneuver, right. Um, now we're kind of back to what's the, what the standard is. Um, and again, a lot of these guys, I don't believe have fought in the smaller cage. Um, so I don't know that there's going to be any material effect 
you know, given the fact that this is a regulation size cage, which is a standard for the UFC. And the only fights we've had in that smaller cage, to my, to my knowledge, have been those at the, uh, at the fight annex. I've, uh, I've kept you for a while. There's some fights we haven't even talked about yet. Of course, you're out there on uh, different platforms. We'll talk about in a second. Uh, Brett Appley, of course, has great content here. Uh, you know, his content actually just, just dropped right before the podcast as well yep. at Rotor Riders. And I know you do stuff with Brett as well, too. I'll let you get that out there as well. And uh, there's been some fights I've been, frankly, avoiding just because I don't want to pronounce some of these people's names. No, I get it. And, you know, this is a, this is a 13-fight card with a lot to talk about. And, you know, I think we covered a lot of the important fights. Um, yeah, Brett Apley, I mean, his content is is, is so good. Um, honestly, if, if you're playing more than $25 on this card, you should pay the money and and get Brett Apley's content. It's very reasonably priced. Um, you could subscribe. You could buy it as one off. It's available here on Rota Grinders. Um, I read his content. Um, Brett and I are doing a special creating alpha on Friday. I believe we're going to be doing it at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have a special guest who is also a former Rota Grinders contributor who goes by the name of Grady Cakes. Okay. Um, you know, his name is, yeah, his name is Chris. He, he lives up in Montreal. Um, you know, he is, he is a, a really good player, um, a big time numbers guy. Um, we're going to have Chris guest. I, I don't know if I was supposed to let that out of the bag, but you know, we will have a special guest there. Um, you know, I have a few other pods. I, I did a, a pod that was dedicated to gambling last night, pure gambling, no DK with five other guys. We went two and a half hours, sucker punch. Um, it was really fun. You know, I, we, and I will, I will share this with you guys. I really want you to watch the pod, but I will tell you this. The only fight I feel that we were unanimous on in terms of making a bet, and this is a fight we haven't spoken about, was Jessica Andrade upsetting Rose Nama Yunus at, okay. like, at like plus 170, right? So that is all of us are betting that fight. Um, you know, and you got six guys and to get six guys to agree about a lunch order is 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 something that's never going to happen we all agreed on an underdog play on and that's the only one we agreed on that because you think the batting. line's wrong or you think she's going to flat out win? we think I mean, the line is we think the yeah. line is way too tight um and it's a situation where the person who won the prior fight um is now a big underdog in this fight um we we all feel the line is too wide we actually feel this is a three-round fight the other fight was a five-round fight um we feel that the three rounds actually benefits uh, Jessica Andrade here because she doesn't have to worry about preserving cardio. Um, and she's just got a power advantage over Rose Nama Yunus. I love Rose Nama Yunus. She will always have a place in my heart. It was her choking out Angela Hill that won me a DraftKings contest that got me to have dinner with Frank Mir and his wife and, you know, sit next to him ringside, all expenses paid by the UFC. Right. I won that contest thanks to Rose Nama Yunus. So she will always have a, a, a place in my heart. Um, but you know, she's also a bit of a head case and, and I can, I could sympathize with that. Um, I like Jessica Andrade here. I love that value. I love getting that plus money on her. Um, you know, and we all agree we're all betting the fight. By the way, uh, I'm not sure how long that pod's been out for, but you guys moved the needle. It's down to, uh, it's down to plus 162 for what it's worth. As far okay. As yeah. Right. Plus 160. We did it last night. We, we, we did it live, uh, and we closed it out at like, I think, uh, close to one o'clock in the morning. You know, it was a two and a half hour pod, which is a long pod. Um, but uh, I also, I also, you know, I tried to put some visual aids up for the Paige Van Zandt fight. That is not PG thirteen rated that pod, just so you know. Um, I will, I will leave it at that. So just chose her at random, I'm sure. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was actually putting a graph uh, to depict the uh, sales of hand lotion leading up to the fight. Um, I think I could say that and still be PG thirteen. Um, you know, so yeah, there was, uh, you know, that was an interesting pod. It was a lot of fun. I love those guys. Um, you know, it's a great betting pod. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, if you're only going to invest, invest in Brett Apley's content on Rotor Grinders. I've known Brett for five years. He is one of the sharpest minds uh, in MMA. He is a really good writer too. And he is very honest and transparent. I'll say this, reading his articles, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta sit out some time. Like he, he, there's a lot of words, it's a lot of words and just scrolling down. If like, I want to find a fight, like, oh, I want to see what he says about this fight. It takes me. It takes me a while. Just, I mean, what, what is this, Dean? Fifteen thousand words for like ten bucks. I don't. I mean, it's a lot of words. It's all. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> it, yet, but it's amazing. I mean, yeah, you you got to subscribe to 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 Brett Apley's content. It's it's you know, it's really really good. 
Jessica Andrade, uh, do you have a, a, a method of finish? Uh, KO knockout five to one uh, by points is four to one. I, I, I see her getting the finish, um, but I could also see her winning kind of a dominant decision as well. Now, look, I'm not saying Rose doesn't have a chance here. Anyone who's a two to one yeah. favorite obviously has a chance. And I'll tell you why the line is two to one. She really dominated the early rounds against Andrade. She, she, she worked her at range. She hit her. Um, the way Andrade won the fight is picked her up and slammed her on her head. And what Rose tried to do for defense is a Kimura lock, which is not the way to defend someone trying to slam you on your head. So people are saying, well, it was a freak. You know, Rose actually really looked good. But Andrade was sort of pulling away, I thought, in that fight. And, and Rose was wearing down. And Andrade has just got a pure power advantage. This is a 115 fight, meaning a strawweight fight. Um, prior to her run, Andrash fought at 135. So, you know, she's got power for days. She's, she's got really, she's really aggressive. She knows the path to victory. Now, Rose could pick her apart for three rounds and win the fight, but I'll take that chance at plus 162. Give me a, a tidbit on any of the fights we haven't talked about. Uh, Double Z here, I'm just going to call him. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a tidbit on, on, on Mr. Finland. Um, that's not a fight we talked about. It's Marwan Akwakani. Um, I'll give you a tidbit on that fight. He looked really good early against Sugar Shane Burgos, who was the best fighter he's fought by far. Uh, Mr. Finland uh, does look to take fights down. Here's some narrative, what a lot of people don't know. And I, I, I do not like to plagiarize, so I am going to credit the source here. The source was Newsom. Um, Newsom's MMA, play 365. Apparently, before that fight against Shane Burgos, um, he was really ill, Marwan Akwakani, in his, in his dressing room leading up to the fight and did not let anybody know because he didn't want the fight to be canceled. He lost that fight. He gassed out. He does have a gas tank issues. But he spent two days in the hospital after that fight, not as a result of any damage he took in, during the fight, but because of his illness. So there's a little bit of narrative there. I mean, I, or, you know, he's a two-to-one favorite. I don't necessarily love those odds but I could certainly see him coming back better here um, off of, quite frankly, an opponent that is much lesser than an opponent he fought. And he couldn't really score some points due to his grappling. You know, I could see him getting takedowns. Um, it's kind of not a super on the radar type of fight, but uh, Mr. Finland, I do like him here. I do think he's got sneaky upside, um, especially if he's healthy. Um, you know, he does have that cardio dump, but I don't think his opponent here is going to put the same kind of pressure on him that a Shane Burgos would or did. So I would definitely give a look to Mr. Finland. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say regarding the slate? Anything else you want to reiterate to bring a point home one more time? Feel free to take a shot at it. Let the people know what your Twitter is so they can let you know uh, how you help them. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's only pleasantries on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's, I, 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 look, I'm transparent. I mean, I, I, I don't bet in units. I bet in real dollars. Um, you know, I, I, I put my bets up. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a tout or offer any advice at Sun Tzu, S U N T S Z U on Twitter. I will say the same thing. I always say, save some powder. I know it's going to be tempting. Save some powder for the televised slate. Um, the televised slate uses a captain mode, a captain mode, similar to how, uh, you know, actually almost exactly like FanDuel does it other than with UFC pricing. So, it's a way that you could maybe get some exposure um, with, where a lot of people have kind of just blown through their, their bankroll on the main card, especially those who are looking to max out um, the, the Millie Maker. I mean, let's be real, $25 a pop, 150 times. <coughs> That's a lot of money. So save some money for the televised slate. Um, generally, it's a little bit easier in terms of the level of competition for the reason I mentioned. It's an afterthought to a lot of people, but I will tell you there are times when playing the televised slate bailed me out. You think uh, you think it sells out to Maker? <clears throat> That's the million-dollar question. This is a much better card. However, I will say that there are slightly more options for, to play here in DFS. I'm going to say no, but not by not by much. Yeah, so like maybe it doesn't sell out, but also there's also no overlay. It's just less rake, maybe something like that. Yeah, I mean, th there was overlay, but I do believe that DraftKings actually got paid. Like they made some money, um, even yeah. though there was some overlay on the last slate. I, 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 
yeah, I think there maybe won't be a lot of overlay here just because it really is a good card. Um, but it really depends on how many casuals come in, you know, like, the, and you know, how many people are coming in and also what you got, which I have to understand too, is like a lot of people come in with tickets to play this. Yeah. And they won those tickets by wagering on other sports. Right. So I don't know how that's factored in to the mix. Like, I don't know how the economics work there. Um, you know, unfortunately, since I've been restricted, I could only play in contests $5 or higher, which is sort of a bone of contention. I didn't have, haven't had the chance to win as many tickets. I have about 20 tickets going into this fight. So the rest I'll have to put up cash for. Um, but there are going to be people out there that have more than that um, in tickets, and we'll use those to play. Yeah, I'm just checking right now for me. I was wondering if I had any tickets. I have no MMA tickets, but I have, I have tickets to a $25 NBA ability uh, maker coming up. Uh, July 31st, that'll be good times for oh, sure. Oh, one more thing, Dean. This is the first. The, the DraftKings does a very long-winded contest called the Knockout Challenge Okay. Um, that you had to win tickets to. Um, this is the first leg of that, um, you know, the first eliminator leg of the Knockout Challenge. So um, I have one ticket. Some You were allowed to earn as many as three. I have one ticket in that contest. So this is also the first week that, you know, the finals of that is running, and it will go progressively until you have only, you know, two players left. Um, oh, it's like a survivor where you just yeah, gotta, it, like, it's like a 50, 50 survivor style. Is that yeah. What is? So yeah, exactly. It kind of, it kind of works that way. Um, you know, so that this is the first week of that, of the knockout challenge. And uh, you know, don't forget to put a lineup in though. Though DraftKings did auto redeem everybody's tickets. So at least you'll have that contest reserved. Yeah. But that is the first week for this contest. I love that structure and I wish they played it. I mean, it used to be a thing that happened all the time. Fandle and DK, they both had it, but, I don't know if for whatever reason people didn't take to it or they just they didn't push it, but uh, you know, as somebody yeah. that, that was born out of cash games, I love that concept. Yeah, so. what we want what we want you and Rotor Grinders to do for us, Dean, is to really lobby draft DraftKings hard for a live final for MMA. That's what we really want. We want a live final for MMA. And we've been we've been asking for that and maybe now with the, with some of these contests and and look, hopefully some of these new fans stick. Like that's what we're counting on. I mean, Vegas is telling us that MMA, the, the betting numbers on MMA is better than NASCAR and PGA. Um, wow. And the reason for that is probably because, you know, you get to bet on individual fighters where the variance is so high in NASCAR and so high in PGA that, you know, like you, you had someone last, last card who made a $37,000 straight wager on a debuting fighter coming over from Invicta, mm-hmm. right? You had someone bet a million dollars on Amanda Nunez to win 166000 so they are seeing, you know, it is helping Vegas out a lot, and maybe that keeps people drawn into MMA. So a couple of things. I remember we talked about a woman who was making her debut. She was like 21 or 22 years old. I'm sure you probably saw us on Twitter. Uh, she met the guy. There was some guy that bet like 10K or 20K on her. That's the woman I'm talking about, 37,000. Okay. K. Han- okay. Hansen, right? So Hansen yeah. met the person at the airport <laughs> who wagered 37,000 on her to win. Was he stalking her or was it just like random? No, apparently it was random. They were at the airport and he had a copy of the ticket. So he showed her the copy of the ticket and, and, you know, Kay Hansen put it on her social media. Like, Hey, I just met the guy that won 37. I mean, look, she only made like 24 grand for the fight. I would have hoped the guy would have at least bought her a drink or something, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like you, you won 37,000, which is more than she actually made for the fight. And the second thing I was going to say is uh, if you want a live final in Vegas, you're probably not going to get it. Because, you know, it's a whole political issue. It doesn't have to be Vegas because we realize that you can't play DFS in Vegas. But, you know, you could do it at another location. You could even – there's so many events. You could even do it around a fight card, which would be really cool. Like you do a live final around an actual UFC fight card. You go to the event. Yeah, you you go to the event. You make that the kind of culmination. You go to the event. You you know, DraftKings has done this before. They get luxury suites to a lot of the events. For football and baseball, for sure. Yeah, just kind of roll it in and make it a live final where everybody, you know, you get a couple of luxury suites. And, you know, that's the live final is you're playing that that live event that everybody's at. That would be really cool. And you talked about as far as uh, MMA getting, you know, more money, more dollars on it than golf and NASCAR. And it's just more fun from, I think, a watchability perspective just as a fringe fan. And somebody once said, I can't remember who it was, I don't recall, but somebody was once said, like, at least if your DK lineups blow up in your face in MMA, at least the guys you, you had, they they got their face punched in. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, that, not that you want to punch the guy's face in that the quote-unquote cost you money, but, you know. Uh, that's that's uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, yeah, look, the, these guys, they're, they're very approachable, um, you know, so on social media, a lot of them are, and, 
you know, like you, you can't really root for a fighter if you're, you know, if you're betting or playing, but you know, you do, people do, um, you know, but yeah, I love MMA. I, I love that. It's you're betting on a fighter to win a fight. Um, you know, there's so much more, you know, the variance in NASCAR is your fighter, your, your driver can be riding a perfect race and oh. just gets caught up in an accident. Like how many times have we seen that happen? Right. That's outside of your control. That's the variance is so high um, there, you know, and PGA, it takes four days. I mean, you know, <laughs> like your wager is taking four days. PGA um, is two sweats. It's like you, you got to sweat to get to the cut and then you got to sweat the yeah. next two days. And as somebody who's just starting to dabble in this stuff, you know, as you know, my, my favorite sports are just not going down right now. And, you know, we can't speak too poorly of NASCAR because, again, this is Stevie's podcast still. <laughs> He's going to come in no, here look, and yell at I me. No, look, I mean, I'll, I'll play. <laughs> Anytime there's 100K to first, I'll put, I'll put a lineup in, right? So I've been playing, but it's just so heartbreaking. And it's, the, it's one of the only sports where you could go from, like, you know, up 100,000 to zero in, the, in a flash of a minute. The currently because, winning is the worst. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I've only dabbled in NASCAR, and it's just not a sport I took to. And it's great. If you enjoy it, have at it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Play it. Uh, but yeah, watching, and I'm somebody that likes to sort of at least keep an eye on the currently winning. <laughs> it's just, it's just not even, well, it's just going to mess with you. It's tough. It's really, it's the high, it's, I think it's the hardest sport to beat in DFS personally for that, for the, for that very reason, for the variance. I mean, you could do everything right in crafting your lineup and for reasons that you and your driver can control, it doesn't work out. Um, you know, the variance is so incredibly high. I've uh, I've kept you long enough. I much appreciate your time, Joe. Uh, Art of War, Sun Tzu, is that the the Twitter? Sun Tzu is the Art of War, man. Sun Tzu and the Art of War. That is the the book that that Master Sun authored back in the day and was a mandatory read for anyone like myself who had a career on Wall Street. There you go. Uh, That was Joe. I was Dean. This was MMA. This was the morning grind. Thanks for listening. We're out of here. Holler. Bye. Peace. Peace.